When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Anything better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. Oh. And welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 269 of the big show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Four days till Christmas, folks. Well, five. Uh, well, Four, I guess, when you're listening to this. Know your recording schedule. I'm recording on Tuesday night here. so. Um, but yes, hopefully you have, uh, hopefully everybody's been nice out there. Hopefully Santa makes his way down your chimney. Hope you got your letters out to him. Uh, I really hope it warms up. That's what I really want. That's that's my Christmas wish. It was minus 42 today. I'll tell you, and when you work outside, that's a rough day. Minus 42, yeah. Um, but... Stay in school, kids. <laughs> um, but how are you guys doing? Thanks for tuning in. I was going to say this is like the final episode before Christmas, but it's not. I just realized as I'm doing them, I just kind of, I'm like, I keep, I don't know why for the last couple of days, I keep thinking Christmas on Saturday. Um, but yeah, I guess uh, Christmas is Christmas Day will be on, uh, is on Sunday. So there will be a, a Saturday episode. So, or a Sunday episode will be coming out because obviously I'll have recorded it either Friday or Saturday. Um, and yeah, so Chris, there will be a Christmas day episode. Yeah. If you want to sneak off and, uh, you know, get away from the in-laws or whatever, and go hide somewhere, or you just gotta like, you know, after you're, after you're done opening presents and everybody's just kind of, you know, the house is rowdy and there's noise. You're like, I just got to go walk the dog, put on the headphones and let me regale you. With some audio pleasure, I guess, or whatever you want to call it, audio noise, we'll just call it noise. Um, all right, boys and girls, well, let's get into this. What are we going to talk about today? Because I don't want to talk for too long tonight. You know, I got to go wrap Christmas presents and everything else, so 
Uh, not really, but uh, the wife's got two Christmas concerts tomorrow. So she's like, I'm going to bed, uh, fairly early. So hurry up and go record your shit. And, uh, it is eight 30 as I'm recording this. So, um, I want to wrap this up in about 45 minutes. So, but not that I'm trying to rush you out of here, but I know I'll talk to you guys again on Christmas day. Like I said, um, well today I think, um, I'm going to talk a couple of things. Got some new, got some news and notes to, to go over at the start. And then, um, you know, I have a couple of listener questions actually that some Q and a, a couple of questions, uh, a Gary Bettman issue that we'll talk about or a Gary Bettman, uh, I guess not an issue. It's more of a, mm, I guess it'd almost be like a myth versus reality type thing. Kind of. Yeah, I guess that's what we could call it. Um, an interesting discussion that I had uh, with someone on Twitter today about uh, Thornton, Lucic, and McQuaid, kind of the, the Bruins tough guys there, and uh, kind of who was the best out of the three, and blah, 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 and I'll talk about that. And then I have a list. I know Tim's pumped. Tim's pretty pumped. It's the list, the 13 nastiest, meanest players in NHL history. So we'll go over that list, so... I don't think that'll be anybody after the year 2000. I don't, I think will not be on that list, but we'll see. I haven't looked at the list. Like I always say with the list, I discover them with you guys. So I haven't looked at it. So we'll see what we got here. So, but before we get into that, as I said, I'm a member of the hockey podcast network. So we're 50 shows in the network. All the NHL teams are represented. So whatever team you're a fan of, there's a podcast for you. Of course, for my off-network friends, I got Alec over there at the Five for Fighting podcast, and he has uh, released the Kerry Toporowski special, um, and he had a couple guests on yours truly. Yeah, so we really started off. We we start low and work our way up. So I started. I I was hitting lead off, and then Jay. Oh yeah, it's just getting better as we go here. Yeah, people are just dying to tune in now. Um, but Jay was uh, talked about. Uh, of course, Topper in his Quad City time, and then uh, Mark McFarland, the former teammate, um, rounds it off. And uh, but no, it's a it's a fun little uh, um, episode. I know Toporowski himself enjoyed it, um, and uh, yeah, checked it out. And also with Alec, I mean, uh, I would always say tremendous back catalog. Uh, By Lois, Rob Ray, Jason Rushton, uh, Sean Pete, yeah. So definitely uh, check out his show. Um, I, although I'm kind of thinking pretty much, although I would think at this point, anybody that's sort of listening to this show already listens to his. So I'm pretty sure our, we have a pretty big crossover audience, but, uh, nonetheless, if you've never checked his show out, I highly recommend it. Um, then of course back in the saddle, he's back at it, folks, new team, same old Lazito, Jolton Joe Lazito is out there. The Nordique's Knuckles podcast. It's a Quebec Nordique, obviously Quebec Nordique centered uh, show, and uh, he is uh, on part three of Trevor Steenberg. And uh, yes, he's like I said, he's back at it. And I know um, I recently saw that he was asking for the fight card of another gentleman. I won't throw the name out, but he's obviously got something uh, something cooking. So. Uh, yeah, it's good to have Lazito back in the space and, and back podcasting. And, uh, yeah, Jolt and Joe, Notarique's Knuckles podcast. Uh, as I said, formerly, uh, you know, he, of course, he had the Coliseum Chronicles podcast for, 
oh, it was about a year and a bit, two years. Um, obviously, and like I said, New York Islanders uh, podcast, and yeah, he had about eighty episodes, and uh, you know, and you know everybody, right? Uh, Fakoda on down. So that was a great uh, interview show, and he's bringing it back, but just with Nordiques players, not Avalanche, just Quebec Nordiques players. So, uh, yeah, it's good to have Joe back. So definitely check that out. And, um, yeah, and on the YouTubes, as they say, well, we go, I, the, again, as I said with Alec and the Five for Fighting podcast, I mean, with all his battles with YouTube, but, uh, he has another, cha- he has, because, uh, of course, YouTube shut his channel down, but he restarted it. And, uh, he is actually taking fan submissions from the various games on the East Coast League. He's bound and determined to get that ECHL footage out there for you guys. And, uh, yeah, and he's been doing that. He actually put up, uh, what was it, uh, Savannah and somebody had like three fights off the opening face-off last night. So how often do you see that nowadays? So, and, and again, somebody was at the game, recorded it with their phone, sent it to Alec, boom, up on YouTube. So there we go. So, uh, you're getting all the, all the action. And, uh, I know Alec is in Florida for Christmas and he was going to go back to the Everblades game, the scene of the crime, or he is going back to it. And he, and, um, oh, it's escaping me what team Travis Howe plays on. But anyway, he was getting all ready to see a Nuber Howe round nine or 10 or however many times they fought. And he was, this is going to be great. And Travis Howe called up to the American Hockey League. So, uh, that kind of popped the balloon, but, uh, hopefully Nuber fight finds someone, but, um, and well, and congrats to uh, Travis Howell for uh, heading up to the American Hockey League. Hopefully, uh, he has a couple of tilts up there and he can stick and make a little more money. And uh, yeah, anytime the enforcers are getting movement up, that's good, right? So, um, and then, uh, yeah, so definitely uh, hit the subscribe button on Alex's channel. We're trying to get him to a thousand subscribers again, kind of rebuild that, uh, that uh, subscriber base. And, um, yeah, and he's got, a, like I said, he's got lots of East Coast League content, and, and he's the only one with East Coast League content, because uh, they don't put that up anywhere else, so, because you can't, because Flow Sports gets all over you, as Alec found out, but fan submissions, they leave you alone, so, uh, yeah, so definitely check out his channel, and also, my boy Jay there in Iowa, uh, D, like the letter D, as in Darren, uh, Skunk, like the animal, uh, D Skunk, is that's his YouTube handle, and uh, he has actually been doing it for over a decade. And uh, right now, these days, he's the Southern Pro Hockey League guy. If you want to see what's happening in the SPHL, he's your guy. He's uploading the fights from the league from the last couple years. But before that, ah, he was doing the the old IHL, UHL. He's got record fights, Little John fights. I mean, like I said, he's been doing it for over a decade. So he's got some great stuff on his channel. So definitely go down the rabbit hole on his. Again, hit the subscribe button. Um, as I always say, when it's a, when you're a creator, that's the as that's all we ask from the from the viewers and from the listeners or what have you, whether it be on the podcast, reviewing, rate and reviewing the shows on whatever platform you're listening to it. Um, that helps out the creator of the podcast. I'm not just saying for myself, but for Alec, for Joe, for any podcast that you listen to, if you could rate and review it, believe me, as a creator, that is the best that you. That's the best thing you could do for him, and because um, it, it helps out. Believe me, it helps. And, uh, and on YouTube, subscribing and liking the video. If you, if you see a video, hit the thumbs up, uh, subscribe to the channel. And, uh, yeah, as I said, as a creator, that's all you can ask for. So if you could do that, hit, go to, uh, D Skunk and the Five for Fighting YouTube channels 
and hit like and subscribe. Also, one more. He's new to the he's new to the uh, the to the platform. YouTube. I've been talking about him the last couple of weeks. Of course, he was on my show a couple of weeks ago. Jordan out in the Maritimes. Um, he decided to start up a YouTube channel, and it's called Five in a Game. And uh, right now, he is actually focusing on like basically late '90s, early 2000s uh, Quebec Major Junior players. Of course, when he was on my show, that was what our topic was, and that was a fun talk. And I mean, you talk about tough dudes that came through the queue at that time: uh, Kevin Cormier, Trombley, Eric Nielsen. Uh, Pierre-Luc LeBlanc, Ryan Hand, um, Tidbull, Marty Doyle, Marc-Andre Waugh, on and on. Um, it was a great time in that league. And it was, like I said, it was, and for me to sit down with Jordan and talk about it was fun because being out west here, we didn't really see a lot of that stuff. I've seen I've seen the videos later on. You see videos here and there. But to talk to somebody, because like I said, I was a dub guy. He was a Quebec guy. So it was, and he, of course, well, he's in the Maritimes, but they had the Cape Breton Screaming Eagles out there at the time. So, um yeah, so he saw a lot of uh, a lot of those guys come through there. So it was fun to uh, sit down and and talk to him about his experience as a fan and what he saw and uh, you know his opinion on the league. And like I said, he'd know far more than I did. So it was a, it was a real learning episode for myself. So I I really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, I hope you go back. It's just a couple episodes ago, I don't know, three or four episodes ago. I get them all. All this shit runs together when you're doing two shows a week. But yeah, it was about a week or two back that I talked to him. So. But uh, he had said he wanted to get a YouTube channel going. No, he came out of the gates flying. And uh, so, yeah, five and a game, his YouTube channel. He just released, uh, and they're basically like kind of 10, 15-minute uh, kind of biography um, videos on the guys. He had Sam playing, Marc-Andre Waugh, Marty Doyle. Um, he just came out with a Jimmy Bono one. And, uh, and yeah, and he, and he talks, yeah, he just, uh, talks about their fight card and different incidents that happened when they played. He plays, it's, again, it's on YouTube, so he's playing the fights and he, you know, the video clips of the fights, uh, in the, in the documentary as well. Like I said, they're a little mini documentaries, 15, 10, 15 minutes. And yeah, I'm really digging them. And, uh, yeah, some great fights. And, uh, I, I recommend you, uh, go back, like I said, subscribe to his channel, check out the videos. Like I said, he's just starting out. He's got four or five videos up there right now, but, um, yeah, they're good shit, man. So check it out. Jordan's a good dude. And, uh, yeah, I think you guys will dig it. Like I said, when, uh, especially with Christmas around the corner and you, you know, if you want to escape to the can or down in the basement and go hide, uh, you know, for 10 or 15 minutes, get away from the noise. That's a perfect thing. That's a perfect way to hide is, uh, go down there or put on some headphones and watch some YouTube clips and, uh, or a YouTube video of, uh, Jimmy Bonu kicking some ass. I think you'll dig it. So yeah, five in a game, check it out. Hit subscribe to his channel as well. Um, all right, folks. Well, <clears throat> like I said, news and notes. <clears throat> well, folks, the time is here. It has finally come. It's taken them a while, but in LNAH news, Mount Calm has made the call and this, and the cowboy is going to ride. Curtis Swanson is on his way to play his first games in the LNAH this season. And um, he is playing two games on the 22nd. Um, where is it? He, on the 22nd, he plays Tetford. And on the 23rd, he plays St. George. And, of course, on Tetford is Thomas Belmare. And then uh, on St. George is uh, Dave Hamel. So uh, he's in one. Those are two tough guys. And Belmar, that's a tough out, boy. That's... Uh, like I said with Swanee, I told him on in text message, I said, it's just never easy, is it? You just can't uh, can't just dip a toe in. you got to dive into the deep end. So, um, 
I'm really looking forward to seeing that uh, back in his old stomping grounds in the LNAH. Um, you know, it's been it's been a, it's been a it's been a minute since he's been since he's been in the LNAH. But of course, uh, he has been in Ice Wars one and two, and uh, he has been boxing for the last couple of years. Um, training initially it was a training for um, for a weight loss, as he was talking about in the interview. Yeah, when I had, when I had him on the show, I've had him on a couple times, but, uh, yeah, he initially started it a couple, like three years ago just to lose weight and he just really enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, he stayed, he stuck with it. And then of course, you know, the ice wars came around. So it was like, well, I'm going to keep training boxing and everything. And he's actually had an amateur fight, a couple amateur fights. And, um, he had another amateur fight coming up here, but unfortunately the event got, uh, canceled. Um, but I know he has. I think right in the new year, he has another amateur boxing match coming up. And yeah, so he's staying really active and he's lost a ton of weight. And I think, I think he told me, yeah, he's lighter now than when he was playing in the LNH at when he was 22. So yeah, he's been fighting and, uh, you know, boxing and sparring and everything. So it's not like he hasn't been fighting. And, uh, now granted, you know, it's not hockey fighting, but I mean, well, ice wars, but, uh, and which wasn't that long ago. So. He's not completely in the dark, but, uh, yeah, this will be, uh, you know, the first, uh, first time on, uh, in an ice fight and in the LNAH for a while anyway. So I wish, uh, Swanson well. And, uh, I know I'll be watching here in the next couple of days and I know a lot of people will be because, uh, uh, it was actually getting really frustrating because Mount Calm, I believe that's how you, Mount Calm, they're the new team in the LNAH. Uh, obviously they signed him at the start of the year and it was like he wasn't playing. He wasn't playing. They hadn't phoned him and it's like, well, what did you sign him for? And I, and I was online just ripping the team. I'm like, well, what would you sign him for and then not bring him in? Like, I mean, it was understood he wasn't going to play every game, but I mean, fly him in. I mean, they, you know, and it's like, you know, and they're not phoning him, not phoning him. It's like, what's going on? And I know there wasn't a lot of communication. And, but, uh, and then I think when they finally wanted him to come in, it was like, that's when his boxing match was happening. So it was like, no, I can't come. And then unfortunately the boxing match got canceled at the last minute. So it was like, son of a bitch, I could have played. Um, so I mean, it's, uh, finally he's going to play here in the, so I hopefully this is the beginning of Mount Calm bringing him in for the rest of the year. Um, you know, and like I said, it'd be really interesting when they play Laval with Donnie Augustine and of course JF LaFrance who Swanee fought at Ice Wars. Um, you know, Derek Parker, maybe Parker's could kind of been in and out. Um, you know, there's rumors of McMorrow playing with Laval. I know Laval signed him. I don't know if he's ever going to play with him, but there's a rumor there that he might, uh, or he signed. So who knows? Maybe he shows up. Um, so yeah, that'd be really interesting if he got to play Laval here in the new year. So, um, yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, uh, like I said, hopefully he has a strong debut here with the team and, uh, and does well. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens in the new year. But nonetheless, the 22nd and 23rd, the Cowboy is returning to the LNAH. So good luck, sir. Um, yeah, other than that, um, well, yeah, I had, all oh, I was going to say, um, I, I had a bunch of people get a hold of me, uh, the last episode there, Sunday's episode. Um, it showed up on iTunes, but it took a day before it got on Spotify. Um, yeah, I don't, Spotify was obviously having issues. I don't know what was going on there. Um, like all the shows on the network were having issues with Spotify. So, um, yeah, I know it's up there now, but, uh, that was a little frustrating, but, uh, yeah. So I apologize for any, any of the Spotify listeners out there, myself included. Um, uh, yeah, it, uh. Yeah, the episode wasn't coming up, but it's up now. Uh, so if you're like 
you know, I didn't listen to your last episode because it was it's up now. So uh, if you want to catch up, but uh, in the episode, I talked about the Ryan Reeves thing, and um, yeah, I got some interesting feedback on that. Uh, talked to Steve. Um, no, Steve, I knew what you meant. Uh, problem, I was gonna. I, well, I didn't reply to him, and and well, we went back and forth in in uh, text message, but uh, I didn't say this part. But I was saying, I was gonna say. Um, I wasn't, I was, I was talking to you specifically on a few things, obviously, because I mentioned you by name, but a lot of the times when I'm doing that stuff, when I'm talking about what social media, I'm sort of mixing everything together, but no, I understood what you meant. Um, yeah, but I definitely want to get Steve on the show. Um, I, we've talked about him coming on, um, in the new year. He's, well, I'll certainly get him on here. Uh, old school fan and, uh. Yeah, and maybe we'll we'll bring up the Reeves incident and uh, discuss uh, our disagreement on the issue. But uh, I would say it was nothing big. But uh, him and I were just well. I think we're look. It's kind of well. We're looking at it the same, but I think we have different uh, interpretation of it. We'll put it that way. But uh, no, I'll definitely have him on. But no, the feedback was really good on that episode. I guess from the iTunes listeners and. Um, yeah, so I encourage you to check out that episode. But uh, anyway, to get on with things here. Um, uh, Batman, the question and answer. Um, yeah, I'll do the Batman thing. Um, not that I'm going to harp on it for too long, because it's it's something that I've I've talked about before on here. But I've just again, it's it's kind of come up. It's it's kind of come up here the last. I've noticed on the message boards <laughs> the last. Well, it's always been brought up, but. I guess maybe I'm just noticing it again. Um, yeah, it, and it's just this... Well, and I had mentioned it when I... Co- no, it was the last episode I talked about it. Um, there's this idea... I guess it is a myth and reality. Or myth versus reality. There is this idea that Gary Bettman doesn't want fighting in the NHL. And I've seen that a bunch of guys talking about that on the message boards. And... Like when they, when anybody bitches about hockey nowadays, and all oh, it's pond hockey. Yeah, I mean, and all that is true uh, with the pond hockey thing and blah blah blah. And oh, they don't even, like that's the problem. And and then they the NHL's woke now. Like whatever that means, I don't. Okay, you know, then that I already discussed that horse shit. But they're like, well, that's what Batman wants. And I I said to the one guy, finally, I just said, well, I said it, I said it in the in the comment section and nobody replied to me, but I was just like, what fight rule has Gary Bettman ever put in? I mean, really? (sighs) Because the instigator penalty, Gil Stein put in, if you instigated a fight, there was always the instigator penalty. It was always in hockey. It's been in, it's been, if you look in the rule book, the instigator of a fight has been in since like the 30s. Um, you know, but what happened was Gil Stein all of a sudden made it, if you instigated a fight, it was 2 5 in a game misconduct. And that was in 1992. And then Gary Bettman took over, and I believe it was 95 or 96. He got rid of the game misconduct and he just made it a 10 minute misconduct. So in fact, he made it better. So it was 2-5 and 10 instead of 2-5 in a game. And that's been it. And Unless somebody can prove me wrong, I'm like, I went and looked at the rule book and everything else. Um, I don't I don't know what uh, what other fight rule 
Gary Bettman has put in. So, like I said, I, I, like, I'm not, and again, I'm not trying to sit here and, and wave my pom poms and I'm a big fan of Gary or anything. No, I think he's a little weasel and everything else. And there's a lot of things he's screwed up on. I mean, how many work stoppages have they had since he's been, I'm actually, I, how he is still the commissioner is beyond me. But regardless, anyway, um, beyond all that, when we're just, I'm just looking at the fighting aspect of hockey, Gary Bettman's actually pro fight. If you've ever listened to him, um, he's never said anything about wanting to get rid of fighting. Um, in fact, I mean, when the CTE lawsuits were coming out in the last couple of years and everybody was getting on them and, uh, the, uh, you know, Belak that summer when Belak and Bugard and all the guys died. And of course the media was trying was going after Bettman, you know, and saying, Oh, the NHL needs to do something in the league and all that. I mean, Gary was saying, like, oh, fighting doesn't lead to... He was saying, he was going completely, like, doing the fight, like, pro-fight thing, saying that doesn't really lead to yeah, concussions and blah, but there's been no link, and, I mean, that was that's sort of an ignorant state. Like, I mean, that's kind of like, really, Gary? You, you don't think fighting has... Okay. But, I mean, he was, at the end of the day, he was kind of sticking up for fighting, and, uh, you know, and, they, and the lawsuits and everything else. He has never wavered on, oh, well, we should get rid of it then, or anything like that. I've never heard him say that. Um, and like I said, you can say whatever you want about Batman, and I'll agree with you, but except if you bring up the thing about fighting, he's never done anything to fighting in hockey. Now, the culprit, well, that was the other thing, even if he didn't need to. See, that was the thing. Gary could fucking babyface this shit, and, and, you know, oh, I love fighting, and oh, I think it'll always be in our game until we don't want it, the players don't want it, and he could sit there and go on and on and get the old school fans all behind him about it, uh, knowing full well that Hockey Canada and David Branch is doing it, for, is eliminating fighting for him. Like I said, Bettman hasn't done anything, and fighting has decreased to an all-time low, which, for these people that live in the NHL bubble, they just think, oh, that's Gary's doing. No, like... If you're chopping a tree down, what do you do? You don't start at the top, you start at the bottom. Well, how do you get rid of fighting? Now, it's been a decade-long process, but now the seed, the seeds were planted, and now we are seeing the result of that. The fight rules that they've put into junior. Like, you're allowed three fights in the Ontario League before you're suspended. I believe in Quebec, you're allowed one. In junior A, you're allowed three, I believe. And Western Hockey League doesn't have any fight limits, but I mean... Yeah, Junior A's had fight limits. Quebec League put in uh, fight limits. OHL put in fight limits. What was about five years ago? So yeah, so you got guys coming out of the OHL and everything else that have like four fights in their life, and it's yeah. So all of a sudden you're gonna they're gonna come to the NHL and be big fighters? No, well, some guys might, but I mean, but not big. Not, you know what I'm saying? Like whatever his name, who's the new kid there in Montreal? Wi-Fi there that everybody's going on and on about. We'll go. I would he have five fights in the Ontario League in his in his life before he got there. You know, so yeah, it's it's like all these guys talk about. Oh well, they'll bring the enforcer back. It's like, like I said, I've had I've said this on the show a million times. Like, get out of your NHL bubble and maybe do some research. Who who's coming? Now, 
that's not to say if someone's in the minors or whatever and they decide like, well, my skill isn't going to get me to the NHL. Screw it. I'll just start fighting like a Delorier or something. Okay. Like I said, there might be one or two guys or this Wi-Fi. Okay. I mean, obviously he realizes he's going to have to fight to stay in the league. You know, you'll always have a kid that'll do that. But at the end of the day, this idea that every team's going to have some fucking heavyweight fighter and shit. No. You know? And it's like, like I said, you'll have guys that, I've always said this nowadays, you'll have guys that will fight, but you won't have any fighters. Like I said, you have, I mean, Reeves, but Reeves is 35 years old. Lucic is, what, 35 Tom Wilson has been hurt and whatever. When he comes back, I mean, he's on, I mean, he's got to be closing in on 30. So how many years does he have left? I mean, you know, McDermott, I mean, how old is he? Late 20s, early 30s? I mean, you know. I always said the the toughest guy in hockey is in the American Hockey League. It's Brett Gallant. You know? And I mean, he's 35. You know, so it's like... I, I laugh, but everybody wants to blame Batman because there's no fighting. It's like, well, no. Who, who, there's nobody's coming. So, yeah, you close the pipeline off. Well, he doesn't have to worry about all these fighters coming into the NHL. You know, so, yeah, Batman really didn't have to do anything. Hockey Canada, David Branch did it for him. So, but like I said, I think there's so many people, especially on these fight boards, that know nothing about... They might know a little bit about the minors. They know nothing about junior, so I don't think they have any clue. They just they just view hockey through the NH through their NHL glasses. But yeah, like I said, I've just been seeing a lot of that lately, and this this whole idea that oh well, Batman and the owners don't want fighting. Well, for the like, yeah, there's some new age nerds that don't like it, but overall, when a fight happens in the crowd, does, is there booing that goes on? No, like who. Yeah, there's the vocal minority on on Twitter that doesn't like fights or whatever. They could take them or leave them. They don't really care, blah, blah, blah. I said, oh, shit. How, how many guys on these friggin' fight boards? I mean, these guys are all supposed to be big fight fans. How much crying do they do over fights? So I said, no one hates fighting more than fight fans. Holy shit. You're mad when they fight after hits? You're mad if it's fights uh, pre-med... If it's staged? Oh, when should they fight then? You don't like when they fight when it's staged. You don't like when they fight after a hit. Or it should just come out of playing. Okay, well, what would you fight for then? Are you just going to go down the... How how do you get mad at somebody? If they hit somebody. If they hit a teammate or if they hit you. Well, you just said you didn't like when... Why do they always have to fight after hits? Like, well, they don't. I mean, that's... That's the biggest horse shit myth going. Everybody, Everybody fucking cries that there's fights after hits all the time. Okay. Well, when Reeves buried, buried that guy the other day, there was no fight. So, okay. I mean, does it happen? Sure. There's lots of scrums after hits, but it's like, well, if you're a fight guy and stuff, like, why, what's wrong with that? I mean, it's not like there's a million hits and there's a million fights. I mean, you have NHL, you have whole teams that have single digit fight totals. Well, clearly then there isn't fighting after every hit. The math just proves that that doesn't happen. So, again, but I mean, whenever they show a clip of a fight, it's usually because from a hit or whatever. So then everybody gets this opinion, oh, well, after every hit, there's a fight now. Well, there isn't. 
So it's just, <laughs> I don't know. It just, like I said, you don't like when there's st- oh, the appointment fights I never liked. And I don't like that you fight after hits. Well, then when do you want them to fight? Like, I, I don't know. What else is there? You know, so regardless of that, but then it's like, you know, and then it's Batman's fault, and then it's woke, and well, the the owners and Batman don't want it. Well, why did they? Why wouldn't they want it? Clearly, the majority of your fans still like fighting, so why would the owners want to get rid of fighting? That they put in it, like again, no one's putting it in any anti-fight rule. So I, again, this, and then, but you get these political. Of course, we got to inject politics into it, you know. And this stupidity, where none of it, that none of it, that doesn't mean any, that has nothing to do with fighting. So, it's like, I don't know what you're talking about. But it's just these talk. I guess people want to, there's a lack of fighting, so they got to blame someone. So, I guess we'll blame the guy in charge. I mean, I guess that's a logical, if you're not paying attention, clearly, I guess that's, the default answer would be, well, the guy in charge doesn't want it. Well, like I said, Batman's never said, Batman's actually pro-fight, as far as everything I've ever heard him say. So, and like I said, I'm not trying to be Gary Batman's fan club member over here, because I don't like him, but them's the facts. So, I mean, like I said, if someone disagrees with me, I'd love to hear from you, but, you know, like I said, they killed fighting at Junior. Gary didn't have to do anything, so... But yeah, I love these guys. Oh, they don't. I hate when they fight after hitting. I hate when they stage fight. I hate when. They, oh yeah. Well, do you even like fighting? Really? I want to ask him. Okay, so like back in the day, because oh, I was a big. It was better in the '90s and the '80s. Okay, well, why did they fight then? What in the '80s and '90s? Please tell me. How did the fight start back then? If it wasn't staged, how did it start? Or if it wasn't after hitting? I'm just dying to find to, for your reasoning. Let me know in the in you know if you listen to this, get a whole drop me a line or put it in the comment section. How did what caused all the fighting in the 80s and 90s? I'm just curious. So, cuz they didn't do that back then. Oh, okay, sure. I don't know what games you were watching. They must have been different from the ones I was watching. So, anyway, but yes, so is Gary Bettman to blame? No. Hockey Canada and David Branch is who to blame for your lack of fighting in your precious NHL. Um, the next topic I was going to talk about, uh, the Bruins trifecta of Thornton, Lucic, and Adam McQuaid. Basically, this, um, this topic came out of my conversation with Ben today on Twitter, private message, uh, him and I uh, go back and forth now and again. And, uh, it just actually basically started out. His first question to me was, uh, uh, do I think Brian McGratton was a, a top 10 all time guy? And I do. I said, uh, yes. If not, he's very close to my top 10. You know, again, I'm answering these questions and I'm at work. So I wasn't like I was, uh, sitting down and deep thinking all of this stuff. But McGratton, I would think, would be around my top 10 for sure. Um, and then he asked me where would I put Lucic, and uh, I said I wouldn't. I wouldn't even put him in my top fifty of all time. And I, I love Milan Lucic, but no, I wouldn't put him in. And no, um, you know. But it, yeah, I mean, he was. And I said he, uh, that. And I said um, again. I'm using him in his prime, not last. Last couple of years have been pretty rough. I'm not going to lie, but I said in his prime, he was more of a power forward. 
uh, than an enforcer. Um, you know, at one time, Lucic was scoring 30 goals. So, I mean, uh, you know, I said, no, he was a power forward more than an enforcer. Um, and we kind of went back and forth. And oh, and he kind of like, um, I know what you're saying, uh, game changed a lot. But uh, I think we'd hold his, he would hold his own against most in terms of fighting. Um, which is true. He is. I'm like, he's a big enough guy, strong enough guy. It wouldn't matter who he fought. Um, yeah, he could hang with, I'm not saying he would, you know, I wasn't saying that. Um, he, I mean, well, I'm McQuaid too. I mean, they're both big enough that, and strong enough that, yeah, it didn't matter who the enforcer was. They could hang with him physically. Uh, but in terms, in a long term, and, and probably, and could pick up a surprise winning, not a surprise win, I should take that back. They could pick up a win against anybody. They're, it's not like they're completely, if they fought, like, I mean, if Lucic dropped the gloves uh, with, uh, whatever, Brashear or LaRock or something, is it inconceivable that he could win? Well, no, he could, he could pick up a win on them. Um, I would think in a long term series, no, LaRock and Brashear would, uh, I would think would best him in a best of five or whatever, but no, but L- L- Lucic could certainly, I mean, when you're talking about fighting, it just take one shot, right? Get a guy off balance, catch him with one. Yeah. These guys are big. And, same with McQuaid. They're big and strong enough that, oh, for sure. They could like pick up a win, but overall, no, they're not in the same category because they didn't, you know, but I'll get to that. Um, so, and, and, uh, and then his reply was, I suppose he's a good player and stuff. You wouldn't want him fighting the fourth line. And I said, well, the Bruins had Thornton for that. And he said, I would argue Lucic was a better fighter. Same with McQuaid. Very good fighter. Just didn't fight a lot. Um, and again, and this is where the topic kind of, I disagreed with him. I knew what he was saying. And like I said, I just illustrated that they were both big enough that, um, if they fought Sean Thornton, could they beat Sean Thornton? Yeah. But overall in a series, I don't think so. Um, but I said, you're also, and I, like I said to Ben, in not so many words, this, but this is what I was trying to say to him. <clears throat> um, the thing is, is you're viewing Lucic versus um, kind of middleweight competition. Whereas Sean Thornton was fighting the other team's heavyweights. So you're looking at, like I told him, I, just for an example, I said, well, Lucic is fighting Gustad and, you know, whatever, Derek England. Sean Thornton was fighting John Scott and Eric Goddard. So it's like, well, who's going to look more dominant in their fights? Well, Lucic, because the guys he's fighting aren't, like would Lucic dominate Eric Goddard, like he or like or John Scott, like he did, like Gustad? No, um, you know, or as in Montreal, when he played Montreal, Lucic wouldn't fight Larocque, but he fight would fight Commissaric. Well, Thornton would fight Larocque. See what I'm saying? That's the difference in their competition. Again, I'm not saying Lucic couldn't fight Larocque. Yeah, he could, but um, overall, in terms of their career. Um, like, like I said, with, with Thornton, um, Sean Thornton's fight card is, is second to none. <coughs> and, uh, I didn't say this, I'm, I'm going, now I'm going in further on the topic, but, um, just to kind of, you know, whatever, put a bow on this, but, um, 
the thing with Thornton, um, and which is just amazing. And again, I was looking again at his fight card tonight and it's just staggering. And I'm, I love Sean Thornton. I like all these guys. I like all the guys in the conversation. And this isn't meant as a slight to McQuaid or Lucic at all, but I'm just saying they're in terms of their fighting and their fight card and their career in terms of being an enforcer with air quotes, it, they're not even close to Sean Thornton. Um, well, first of all, Sean Thornton had, before he even got to the NHL, he had 220, this is amazing. He had 224 American Hockey League fights. And I'm looking at his fight card now. And it's just, as I scroll through, Terry Ryan, Brad Brown, Rob Skurlak, Aaron Downey, Pete Vandermeer, uh, Sylvain Bluant three times, Darcy Harris, Kyle Friedrich, Rocky Thompson, Joey Tedarenko, Reed Lowe, Greg Walters, PJ Stock, Barry Nykart, Paul Ferrone, Moose Morissette, Steve McLaren, Reed Lowe again, Eric Cairns, Jody Shelley when they were all in the American League, uh, Dennis Bonvey, Joel Terrio, Dale Purrington, uh, Garrett Burnett, uh, Francis Lassard, uh, Eric Goddard when he was just coming up again, McLaren again the next year, Jason Schmier, Matthew Rabby, Steve Parson, Sawyer, Rosanzoff, Steve Parsons again, Doug Dowell, and I mean, you know, uh, Lassard, Bowley Rice, Rocky Thompson again, Wade Brookbank, uh, Andrew Peters when he was in Rochester, Craig Brunel, Darcy Verreau, um, Blaine McCauley, Todd Fedoric when Fedoric was at the Phantoms. You know, it just, yeah. So, I mean, and he hasn't made it to the NHL yet. Then he gets to the NHL. Yeah, and it's the who's who. Like LaRock, McGratton, McMorrow. Uh, well, that's the American League again. Um, Jesus, he's in America. McNeil, Graham Bielak, Mike Brown, get Trevor Gillies, Colt Nor in the minors. Um, Josh Gratton, Riley Cote, McLaren, Ger- like, yeah, Chris Neal. No, that was the lockout year, 0405. You know, Vanna Bush, Riley Cote again. I mean, Segroy, it just goes on and on, you know, and, uh, Mitch Fritz, Gillies again, Riley Cote again. You know, finally gets the NHL. Yeah, Erskine, Hordachuk, DJ King. Um, you know, like at McGrath and Bolton, Brashear a couple times. Um, George LaRock, Eric Bolton, uh, Peros, Kochi, Erskine, Matt, Car- Matt Karkner, uh, Colt Knorr, uh, Brashear, or Pierre Luc LeBlond. Um, Eric Goddard, Derek Bugard, Trevor Gillies, uh, Shelley, you know, Cam Jansen, Cassian, Eric Bolton, Rosehill, John Scott, that didn't go too good for him, Colt Moore, uh, Rosehill, Westgarth, uh, Patrick Bortolo, yeah, Luke Gazdick, Fraser McLaren, Prust, and these are all, this is, at this point, this, he's in his 30s. You know, Maroon, Ronaldo, McQuaid, and Mike Brown, that in, you know, and Mike Haley. It's just like, yeah, so he ended up, so Sean Thornton had 179 NHL fights, 224 AHL fights. This is including preseason, postseason, 403 fights as a professional. Sean Thornton had, and, and we're not counting his two years in Peterborough. I don't know what his fight card non-existent even on drop your gloves for the OHL, but I'll, I mean, okay, we'll say loosely 10, 10 each season. You know, he probably had more than that. So add another 20 to that. You know, so you're talking to a, you're talking about a guy who had 425, 430 
career hockey fights from junior to pro. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's a whole other level than what Lucic and McQuaid are on. Um, like Lucic, I looked it up. Uh, he had 45 fights in juniors. He didn't actually play a day in the minors. He went right to the NHL at 18 and, uh, he's, and he's at 93 fights. Um, you know, in the NHL, you know, and it's, and again, uh, he started in 0203, uh, was his rookie year, uh, or pardon me, what am I talking about? Um, 0708 was his rookie year. Um, so he's getting into that, getting into that stage where fighting is slow. Like the first couple years, there's some tough guys around, but the last few, it's been pretty, pretty sparse. But I mean, looking at his fight card, I mean, I'm just picking out the heavyweights here. Um, in his first, in his rookie year, uh, Ivanez, Erskine, Brookbank, Jared Bull, Ben Eager, you know, the next year, Chris Neal, Bolton, then Thomas, Chris Neal again, 09, 2010, Jared Bull, Colton Orr, that was the fight with Orr when Orr broke his nose, um, uh, 2010-2011, Erskine, Jim Vandermeer, Rose Hill, Prust, you know, the next season, Prust, Matt Karkner, 2012-2013, Prust and Karkner again, but then Tim Gleason, Keith Olley, Chris Neal, 2013-2014 preseason fight with Joel Reckless, that's a really great fight, that's a really good fight, Lucic and Recker, that's a good one. Uh, then it's like Clarkson, Dalton Prout, Gazdick, England, Ryan Clough, Jordan Nolan, Chris Barch, Chris Stewart, Josh Manson, Bolig, Maroon, Nurse, England, McLeod, Haley, uh, Borowicki, Tanner Glass, Curtis Gabriel, Peluso, Barkley Goudreau, Nathan Bolio, Josh Anderson, Austin Watson, Scott Saborn. I mean, again, I'm not knocking any of these guys, but just think of all the names I rattled off to you about Sean Thornton. And now, you know, we're talking, and again, but am I, and I like Prust and those guys and, you know, but are like Dave, like Clarkson and Dalton Prout or, you know, are they Chris Stewart, Borowicki, Manson, Bowling? Like, are those get you know, that's not Trevor Gillies or LaRock or Brashear, you know? So it's like, yeah. And, you know, and then, you know, with McQuaid, um, he had 13 fights in the Ontario League. He had 28 in the American League. And then he had 59 NHL fights. And then, you know, going over his card again, Troy Bodie, Sotheby, Matt Hendricks, Kanopka, Bradley, McCormick, Bodie, Moen, Eager, Gustav, Asham, Kanopka, Crombean, Ryan White, Rafi Torres, Matt Martin, Matt Hendricks, Mark Frazier, Matt Hendricks, Tanner Glass, Brian Boyle. Dane Byers, Kyle Clifford, Eric Nystrom, Nate Thompson, Maroon, John Scott, which I didn't even throw a punch in the John Scott fight, Fraser McLaren, Nick Schultz, Carcillo, Glass, TJ Oshie, Matt Martin, Antonio Russell, he did fight Sean Thornton, Dwight King, Tom Wilson, Maroon, Will Carrier, Haley McLeod, Garnet Hathaway, you know, and then Ryan Reeves and then and Garrett Hathaway was his final career fight. So, I mean, again, 
you know, big guy. I again, I like him. I'm not saying this in a derogatory sense, but I mean, that's a, you know, for the time period, eh, that's a pretty middleweightish type fucking fight card. Again, some tough guys on there, not knocking anybody. You know, I like Sotheby and Kanopka and Hendricks and all those guys and Bodie and stuff. But I mean, again, you know, is that the same as? Brashear and LaRock and Jody Shelley and Colt Noor and Matt Karkner and stuff. No, you know, so, yeah, so that was my point that I was getting at. Um, I get what you're saying, but in terms of <clears throat> they were better fighters than Sean Thornton, uh, no. Because <clears throat> Thornton was fighting a way bigger battle. Um, now, again, when I listed off this fight card, I'm not saying that Thornton won all these fights. I'm not saying that. But at the same time, I'm just illustrating the point of who he is fighting. I mean, I think before you start claiming guys are better fighters, I think you have to look at quality of opposition. I guess I should have led, I guess I could have led and ended with that instead of this, you know, the round and around, you know, fucking, you know, around Drabo to get to your wrist explanation. But I mean, um, you know, as I said, to make a long story longer, um, but, um, yeah, I think, in, and like I said, again, fan of all three guys but if we're going to talk about and I and I think if you're going to compare oh I think he was a better fighter than this guy uh, um I I think you definitely have to look at strength of competition and um Lucic and McQuaid just didn't have that competition now a lot of that isn't their fault there just wasn't those guys around anymore when they were in their primes you know that yeah that can be said but at the end of the day it's like well Lucic could have well, yeah, coulda, shoulda, woulda. I mean, there's lots of guys that I'm sure if they had concentrated on the fighting part of it and done that more, um, yeah. I mean, could Lucic have been an air quote enforcer in the NHL? Yeah. I mean, that's what he is now, more or less. Yeah, I mean, he fucking ain't a scorer anymore. But I mean, you know, again, who are you enforcing against? They're really, you know, pretty, like I said, slim pickings these days. So, you know, he sort of got the run of the yard. The fight that I really want to see is Lucic and Reeves. That's the fight I want to see. Because to me, from what I see these days, I think, to, in my opinion, those are sort of the two kingpins of the league. People will throw in McDermott and whatever. And you can. I mean, whatever. That's one person's opinion. But um, I think it's it's Reeves, Lucic, and, uh, and they won't fight. You know, And I, I'm pretty sure they probably will never fight just because I think... They, I think they both think they're number one, and I think they both want to keep it that way. So, you know, they don't want to give the other guy a, a, a victory over him, right? So I don't think we'll ever see that fight. Unless something happens. Then, the, I mean, I'm not saying either of them are scared of the other one, but um, unless something happens, I don't think so. Like, I don't think they're just going to do it to do it. I mean, I think something's going to have to happen for them to fight. So, um, But like I said, Thon Shorten. I mean, from the American League to up to the NHL, like his fight card is incredible. Like I said, you're scrolling through that, just naming those names, it's ridiculous. And um, I don't know how he did it. Like, how do you fight that much in the American League? And then come up to the NHL and put up the same amount of, like, to ride the bus for all those years and to fight all those guys night in and night out and just consistent. And in the American League, battling and battling. And then to finally get your shot in the NHL and not slow down and keep going. And and to be, the big one is injury free. Like I know he obviously had some injuries, but how his hands didn't get messed up. Because he's constantly putting up 20 tilts for like the first eight, nine years of his career. And 
how his hands could handle that, who knows. But yeah, Sean Thornton was a warrior, man. And uh, and all, all these guys are. I'm not saying Lou Cheech and McQuaid aren't, but uh, I I don't put them in the class of fighter as Sean Thornton. Um, but again, to go back to my original point, because I want to beat this horse some more. Um, could Lucic and McQuaid beat Sean Thornton in a fight? Yes. Over the course of time? No. I would put Thornton winning the series overall. But, uh, oh yeah, for sure. McQuaid and Lucic could beat anybody if they fought him. And, you know, without, and yeah, they're big and strong enough that they could lock him out and wrestle with him and outpoint them, so to speak. For sure. But, um, yeah. In terms of those three fighters, I think it, yeah, obviously, uh, they are not in the class of Sean Thornton, in my opinion. So there you go. But thank you, Ben, for the conversation. I appreciate it. It was fun. And now, a message from our sponsors. Hockey fans, light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That wasn't enough excitement. You can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at even a bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. Okay, the last thing. Well, we're going to do the 13 meanest NHL game. Oh, the question and answer thing. Um, yeah, um, not that I'm thinking anybody listening like could give two shits and a holler, but I had a listener ask, so I will answer. Um, I mean, not like we're going to go into a whole uh, dissertation, but I mean, it was just, it, they're simple questions. It was... Um, uh, who are my five favorite NHL fighters of all time? And who are my five, uh, favorite minor league fighters of all time? Um, so I'm going to, first of all, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of go Teflon like in no particular order. Um, in the, for NHL, um, I would say Probert, Scott Parker, Tony Twist, Baumgartner and Berube. Yeah, I'd say Brad May is knocking on the door. Um, I, and Goddard, I like you know, and Brook. Oh, and Wade Brook. Oh, Wade Brookbank. There's another one I could put him in there. Ah, shit. So that was my favorite eight. We'll put that. We'll say that Goddard and Brookbank. Throw them in there too. And Darren Kimball. Um, you know, there's so many. Um, but yeah, I would say those those were my favorite for the minors. Um, I'm going to include the LNAH. Um, again, a no order, uh, Mel Engelstad, uh, Rocky Thompson, Dennis Bonvey, uh, yeah, Yablonski, John Morasti, and I would say, and my boy, the cowboy, Curtis Swanson. I have to add, obviously have him in there. So, um, my top five all time, that's funny, more people ask for a top 10, but top five of all time. Um, Probert, number one, number two, Dave Brown, number three, Joe, George the Rock, number four, Ben Wilson, and number five, uh, uh, Brashear, probably, really, uh, 
But I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's tough, right? Because I mean, you could throw Bugard in there, um, but I, but I know some of the old guys or whatever. I mean, people will cringe with the Laroque Brashear thing, but it's like those guys didn't lose. Like, I mean, oh, you can go back. Oh, there's somebody will show me some video of Brashear when he was in Montreal. It's like, well, okay, but I'm talking in their primes. How many fights did Brashear and Laroque lose? They they didn't. They just didn't lose. Like especially La Rock, I think La Rock, in my opinion, was more dominant than Brashear was. Um, but I think La Rock went on a stretch of like seasons without losing, you know. And it's just like, and who does that? And again, you look at their fight cards. I mean, you could say whatever you want. It's at that for that era and that time period. It was the who's who, and uh, they were yeah. So yeah, I gotta yeah. <laughs> I mean, LaRock, I don't have so much of a problem. Brashear pains me to put him in because I'm not a Brashear fan at all. But I always say, you got, I mean, you know, got to give the devil his due. And it's, yeah. I mean, if I sat and, like, really pondered it and wrote out my list, then, I mean, you know, okay. I mean, that could bounce around. But, you know, uh, my I, I, my top, I, I would, de- Probert, Probert Brown and LaRock is definitely my cemented three. And Ben Wilson, for sure, he's in there too. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, Brashear. Yeah. I hate saying it, but yeah, I would think so. There you go. There's my top five. Um, well, there we go. There's there's the question and answer period. There, Everybody was on their edge of their seats for those. Um but let's get into this. Where, where is my article here? I gotta click on my thing here, folks. I gotta bring up my lists. Tim's excited here. <clears throat> old, old Charlie. He's still, he's still yelling about my Luchich McQuaid and, and Thornton topic. You know, to, you know, don't hurt your back, Charlie. Don't get that excited. Heal up, boys. Um, all right, here we go. <clears throat> By Brad Kurtzberg. This was, this article was from March 20th, 2013. Uh, the Bleacher Report is where it's from. The 13 meanest players in NHL history. Hockey has always been a tough physical game, especially in the NHL, especially at the NHL level. Certain types of toughness. To, nah. I would say the minors are a lot more rough than the NHL is, but okay. Here's a look back at 13 players. A baker's dozen, if you will, were known for playing mean, tough style of hockey. Quite simply put, they were the meanest players in NHL history. It's not easy to make this list as there's only 13 players on here. Some pretty mean hombres are going to be left off the list. Guys like Tiger Williams, Matthew Barnaby, Bob Probert, Joey Koser did not make the final cut here. <clears throat> huh. All right. Um, meanness goes beyond just dropping the gloves. It requires doing, it requires going beyond just playing tough or dropping the gloves. It requires an extra level of hatred, a willingness to violate the game's unwritten rules and codes of conduct. Here are the 13 minutes players in NHL history. Feel free to comment on the players if you think belong on the list as it should be. Sit back and enjoy the mean 13. Okay. Um, as I said with these lists, um, I have them sent to me from a couple guys. Um, they haven't actually sent me anything for a little while, but they sent me a pile of lists. And I would just save the links um, in a in a Word doc. So I never read the articles. Um, so as I always say, um, I am discovering these with you guys because uh, uh, then my reaction is genuine. And uh, yeah, like I said, I, I find I think that's a lot. I think that's more fun that way. So um, 
But at the same time, um, I mean, I guess I could, as I announced the name, I guess I could go pause it and maybe look up stuff or whatever. But nah, I just, I just keep it rolling. So, I mean, um, I can't remember what it was. I did one of the lists and I had mentioned the guy and somebody said, oh, well, this, this, and this. It's like, oh yeah, that's true. But I didn't, I didn't know the guy was on the list. So I didn't do a history lesson on him. I was just going off the top of my head. So, um, as a, and I don't pause it and edit this and shit afterwards. Um, so, I actually, to be completely honest, to sidetrack your sidebar. Um, yeah, I, well, people listening are like, yeah, no shit. Yeah, I, I do very minimal edit. I, I basically never edit this show. You know, now and again, if there's some outside noise or I burp into the microphone and, well, you hear me cough sometimes. I don't even edit those out. Um, you know, I just, whatever. Most of the time I'm on such a deadline. I'm, I'm like doing it the night before and it's late. It's like, I don't have time to edit this horse shit. So yeah, you're, you're getting the unfiltered version. Um, what do they call it? Unplugged. It's fourth line voice unplugged all the time. Um, I'm actually thinking even in my player interviews, I've never really, I mean, I've edited, I've had guys ask me to edit stuff out after the fact, not very often, very seldom, but, um, outside of maybe of like volume issues or stuff like that. I mean, like technical issues, but yeah, I'm just trying to think. Yeah, very seldom. So there's, there you go, folks. If you're listening, to, when you're listening to the fourth line voice, you're getting the basically the unedited, unplugged version of the show. Because yeah, I don't do, I don't do a lot of spit and polish on the show. That's for sure. Again, people listening, long time listeners are like, yeah, we know. Get on with it. All right, let's get on with this list of the what is it? Oh, the thirteen meanest. Here we go. <clears throat> Number 13, Brian Marchman. Well, yeah. Marchman had a well-earned reputation as a guy who liked reckless style of hockey and often seemed like he was trying to injure opposing players, especially knee-to-knee hits. Uh, NHL suspended Marchman 13 times during his 12 seasons in the league. Among the players he was injured by hits were Burry, Gartner, Zezel, Waite, Correa, Newenday, Clark, and Medano. Uh, in his NHL career, Marchman accumulated 2,300 minutes of penalties, 900 games, Played 17 seasons in the league because he was tough, physical, not afraid to hit opponents if the league had many opponents. Opponents, even if the league had many opponents, felt his hits sometimes crossed the line. What is it? The NHL suspended Marchment 13 times during his, oh, his first 12 seasons in the league. Okay, pardon me. Um, that's the one thing I will say about these lists. Just, again, another sidetrack with these Bleach Report. I kind of like the lists that have, like, the write-ups like this. Because it's like, sometimes when I do a list, they just have, like, one sentence. Or sometimes they don't have anything. They just have that. And I think with a lot, and a lot of times with these lists, it's like their name, they'll have a little write-up. And then there's, like, a YouTube clip of something, which obviously doesn't translate in audio. So, yeah, I know when I do some of these lists, there really isn't a lot of, um, uh, a lot of stuff written. But these Bleacher Report ones, when they kind of give you a couple paragraphs, like I give you a paragraph on each guy, I kind of like those because, you know, you can kind of read up to it and, and you can kind of, uh, kind of do point counterpoint with what they brought up. So actually, I didn't realize he had injured all those guys. I knew Marchment was always dirty. Um, unfortunately, the late Brian Marchment who passed away earlier this year. Um, yeah, he, um, I don't want to say I wasn't a fan of Marchman, although I, I, I don't recall ever being a big fan of Marchman. I mean, I liked when he was playing just because he would start shit and like shit would go down and whatever, and he'd fight and stuff. Um, he had a great fight with Probert, um, in Edmonton. Uh, but yeah, he was a bad dude. I mean, yeah, certainly dirty. The neon knee shit was horse shit. I was never a big fan of the neon knee stuff, and he did do that. Um, 
But, uh, yeah, I, I can see him being on the list. Yeah, Marchmont was a mean dude for sure. Number 12, Ron Hextall. Well, all right. Uh, different from most goalies, they like to play the puck and even try to shoot it down the ice to score a goal. Wasn't afraid to get physical with the opposing players. Hextall checked opponents, used the stick or pads to attack them. The result was several suspensions, including the, of the above, see the above incident. Yeah, it's a YouTube video. Um, and it's the thing with Chelios. Uh, the result of that incident was a 12 game suspension. Uh, Hextall also suspended for the slash in Edmonton's Kent Nielsen during the 87 Stanley Cup final. Um, Twice during his career, he accumulated more than 100 minutes of penalties. Uh, unprecedented for a goalie. His battling style left a mark on the NHL and helped and Hextall make our list. Um, yeah, he was. Actually, that chop on Nielsen was brutal in the back of the legs. Because the thing with that one is Nielsen did, as far as I remember, hadn't done anything. He was just skating in front of him. And Hextall was just pissed off, so he chopped him. Um, actually, if you go to my YouTube channel, um, I, in junior, when he was with Brandon, I have a clip of Hextall chopping a Regina Pat guy over the head with his stick. Go look that one up. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I was like, I get why goalies get mad and in the crease and they blocker guys and all that. I understood that. Um, I was never a Hextall fan. Um, I'm, well, I'm just not a real fan of goalies to, Generally, I'm like, whatever. But but I get why they get mad. But this, when they join the thing and they block her guys or whatever, they whack with their sticks. And again, I get why they're getting mad. But um, there are some times that it was it, it's some pretty cheap shit. Like, who's this kid with uh, St. Louis's Bennington? Oh, somebody needs to kick that guy's ass. That guy's a goof. Um, but yeah, Hextall kind of always, I don't know. I was never a fan of Hextalls. Um, yeah. Number 11, Mark Messier. Hmm. Messier may be the second all-time... May may have been... What? Mark Messier may have been second on the NHL's all-time point list, but he also patterned his playing style on Gordie Howe and was also known for throwing elbows at the head of his opponents who dared skate down his wing. Uh, here's a clip to who's elbowing the head of a Soviet player during the 84 Canada Cup. Uh, one can only imagine how many games Messier would have been suspended by Shanahan if he had made that hit during the NHL game today. Um... Yeah, Messier was dirty, and the thing, I was never a Messier fan because uh, he seldom fought, um, when he did, he sucked at it, Messier couldn't fight, he was not a very good fighter, um, but I was just never a fan of Messier, he was just dirty, and uh, and kind of needlessly dirty, like I remember like his elbow to Natris when he knocked Matt, it's like, what are you doing, like, you know, and he's dirty with his stick and shit, yeah, I was just, I was never a Messier Again, I'm not knocking him as, like, obviously Hall of Fame player, great player and all that stuff. But, yeah, I was just never a Messier guy. He always bugged me for some reason. I don't know. But, obviously a great player and everything else. I'm not taking that away from him. But, yeah, but this idea, like, I I, I have a couple of friends. One of them is a big Messier fan. Like, it's his favorite player. Him and I argue all because he always goes on about how tough Messier was. And I'm like, yeah, was he, though? I'm like, he was dirty. But, I mean, Messier couldn't fight. Like, he, like he'd fight something. Like, more in his younger years, obviously. But, you know, he was not a great fighter. Um, but, yeah. No, I would get it. Yeah, Messier was dirty for sure. Uh, number 10, Marty McSorley. McSorley spent most of his career as Wayne Gretzky's bodyguard. Uh, anybody threatened a great one, McSorley would hand out justice. Finished his NHL career with 3,300 penalty minutes over his 17-year career. Cemented his place in the list when he ended... Uh, a play that ended his NHL career when he struck Vancouver's Donald Brashear in the head with a stick. Uh, the result of the, conv- 
result was a conviction for assault with a weapon and a suspension that would last the rest of the 99-2000 season. Um, <coughs> pardon me. Would never play another game in the NHL. Um, yeah, and like I said, that's the thing with my, I love Marty McSorley. He's one of my favorite tough guys. Um, actually, he could almost win on my top five favorite list. Uh, had a great career. Actually turned himself into a fourth line, from a fourth liner to a, you know, a top, you know, top pairing D guy. I mean, that's the thing people forget. McSorley led the, led the NHL in plus minus one year. Turned himself into a solid player. And, um, you know, and couple won a couple of cups, and uh, but you mentioned the name Marty McSorley and the Brashear thing will always be the first thing that people bring up, and you know, eh, rightfully so. I mean, you know, but I also, you know, Marty played 900 games before that incident happened too. So, and I think that gets lost on a lot of people. But uh, yeah, I mean, but yeah, as far as it, like in this list, if you'd if you'd ask me who were your 13 meanest players, I would have put McSorley on this list. Um, not just for the Brashear thing, um, but yeah, he would hand out justice and whatever means necessary, and he would cross the line. I mean, between you know Phil Sykes and um, uh, Darren Banks, we cross check Banks, and uh, of course the famous Gilmore hit in the playoffs. And yeah, Marty was a mean dude. And um, again, I I hate to keep kind of defaulting back to my YouTube channel. And I'm sure probably everyone listening has probably seen the clip, but if you haven't, uh, go to my, or just go to YouTube and type in Marty McSorley explains how to be an enforcer. And yeah, and that on there is a 10 minute interview with McSorley and he lays it out what it's like to be an enforcer. Now, that's the thing. You can't do that anymore with the way the rules are. That's a whole other topic of why the league is the way it is. But for his time period, that's what he did and that's how he dealt out punishment. And yeah, there you go. Number nine, Ted Lindsay. It's hard for younger fans to believe that Ted Lindsay was just five foot eight, earned the nickname Terrible Ted for tough physical style play, resulting in more than 750 stitches during his career. In fact, Lindsay played so, uh, play was so groundbreaking back in the 40s and 50s that the NHL actually changed the rules to discourage players from hitting opponents using their elbows and knees like Lindsay often did. At the time of his retirement, Lindsay was the NHL's all time penalty minute leader as a fine hockey player. Uh, played 11 All-Star games, helped lead the cup, the wings to four Stanley Cups. Um, yeah, and that's the thing back then, you know, um, you know, the, well, 30s, 40s, 50s, you know, all that, that hockey was so vicious. Um, they didn't do a lot of, like, they would fight, but there wasn't, like, guys weren't racking up 25, 30 fighting majors like they did in the 80s and 90s, but, um, they would fight now and again, but the stick work, oh, the stick work carving guys up and throwing their elbows like oh Gordy Howe is famous for throwing elbows I'm sure Howe's on this on this list as well but yeah and they didn't care and guys would yeah swing sticks and stick fights and fight in the penalty box and yeah so I mean I mean the 13 meanest players you could have guys from the just in the 30s 40s and 50s alone on this list so um Again, I've never, I, I mean, I'm sure there's probably a few fights on video of Ted Lindsay fighting, but I don't know how many actual fighting majors he had. I mean, obviously with, uh, what was it? Oh, well, he was the all-time penalty minute leader at one time. So I'm sure obviously he had a few fights in there. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know uh, how much of a fighter he was, but I do know he was dirty with a stick. Uh, number eight, Billy Smith. Well, there we go. We're back to another goalie. Um, 
Because of his poor defense in front of his own competitive personality, Smith would protect the front of his area in his own crease by swinging his large goal stick at the ankles of opponents. Did Degretzky in the clip above. His attitude earned him the nickname Battle and Billy. Smith was very good and the Islanders got better around him. By 1980, Smith and the Islanders were on top of the hockey world, winning four consecutive Stanley Cups. Smith was so competitive, uh, he chose not to participate in the series-ending handshakes because he felt it would be hypocritical. He remains one of the few NHL players who refused to take part in the time-honored hockey tradition. Smith was inducted in the Hall of Fame in 1993. Actually, I didn't know Smith didn't. I didn't know Smith did that. That's pretty funny. Well, I mean, hey, you got to respect the stance because yeah, it is hypocritical. Um, again, I've I've never great goalie, whatever. The one thing I will say about Smith that I did dig, uh, was the fact, like I said, the, actually, I think I was talking about this the other episode, that one clip with McDonald where he takes his stuff off, puts it on top of the crease that tells everybody to back off and he fights Lanny one-on-one. I, I respect that out of the goalie. Um, but yeah, Smith would use, like you said, chop the ankles and everything else. And again, not being a fan of goal, I kind of, I was indifferent to Billy Smith, but he would fight one-on-one with guys, which I respected that part. But yeah, again, meanest. Yeah, in terms of goaltending, for sure he was. Uh, number seven, Alf Samuelson. Well, there you go, Alf Samuelson. Mentioned Cam Mealy, the Bruins fan. The name Alf Samuelson will come up shortly thereafter. Dirty knee on knee hit delivered Samuelson, causing the injury to Neely that pretty much ended his career. While Samuelson finished his NHL career with 13 seasons of 100 minutes or more, he's better known for agitating delivering hits than, and crossed the line on many, many occasions. Uh, Star Center Mike Medano told Sports Illustrated about Samuelson. His job is to hurt people. He goes for the knees a lot. He takes runs at you and really all he's trying to do is hurt you and knock you out of the game. That summed up how a lot of people felt about Samuelson. Yeah, I mean, I always say fuck all Samuelson. Um, he's probably my most hated player of all time. Um, not only that, they forgot to bring up, he actually took out Pierre Mondu's eye when he was with Hartford with a high stick. Um, yeah, the thing with Neely. Um, yeah, no, Samuelson was a piece of shit. Um, you know, a solid player, won a couple cups with Pittsburgh. I get all that. Um, but yeah, he he wore a visor before it was kind of, you know, fashionable, so to speak. Big Robocop pads, wouldn't really back up his shit. He would fight, but yeah, not really. I mean, he was just, he was a rat. He's a big rat, a big, big dude, and would play physical. Um, I remember the rookie Lindros, when Lindros played in the Canada Cup, I think he broke Samuelson's shoulder. That actually got me instant lovability points with Lindros for doing that. Um, yeah, no, fuck off, Samuelson. Number six, Dale Hunter. Yeah, Hunter's the type of hockey players hate to play against but love to have on their team. Gutsy, tough center. Do anything to win. Push the envelope legal and dirty. Finish his career with 3,500 penalty minutes, second in history. Uh, most famous during the 93 playoff is the attack of Pierre Turgeon. Received 21 game suspension. Hunter took over as coach of the Capitals in the middle of last season, but was resigned after leading them to a second round of the playoff. He's presently the co-owner of the OHL's London Knights. Um, yeah, I mean, Dale Hunter, yeah, exactly. He's one of those players you'd love to have on your team, but hate to play against. Great player. I mean, ton of points too. Um, but again, that, that, the hit on Turgeon was Bush and, uh, he says, oh, I didn't hear the whistle or whatever his explanation was. It was so lame. Um, yeah, I'm not a Dale Hunter fan. But yeah, if, but if I was building a team, would I want him on my team? Yes, I would. Um, but yeah, he was just, I don't know, he was just, again, Weasley, dirty with a stick, cheap shot guy. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not a Dale Hunter fan. But yeah, he, I put him on this list for sure. Yeah. Number five, Sprague Cleghorn. 
Um, all right. Well, as I was saying before, there you go. If we're doing that list, like 30s, 40s, 50s guys, you could probably do this. Yeah, Sprague Clegor was a star defenseman in the early days of the NHL. He played for the original Ottawa Sanders, Toronto St. Pat's, Canadians and Bruins. Clegor was considered one of the dirtiest players in the early days of the NHL. In 1923, while playing for Montreal, Clegor hit Ottawa's Lionel Hitchman over the head with a stick and was convicted of assault and a fine $50. The following quote was from the book, The Ottawa Sanders, The Best Players and Greatest Games. Describing Cleghorn's actions in 1922 against the Senators, who had just let him go the previous season. <clears throat> Cleghorn did little to hide his contempt for his former club after the puck was dropped. He started by viciously checking Senators captain Eric Girard and then slashing him on the head, opening a cut above Girard's eye that required five stitches. A short while later, Cleghorn set his sights on Ottawa's top scorer. Uh, Cy Denny gave him a nasty cut above the eye that spurted blood all over the ice. Not yet satisfied, Cleghorn then set his sights on the Senators' Frank uh, Nybor. Cleghorn got his chance. Nybor had the puck in the corner with his back to the play. Cleghorn rushed into the corner and slammed Nybor down to the ice, landing on his elbow hard enough for that Nybor couldn't play for the rest of the game. Cleghorn had single-handedly removed three of the Senators' best players from the match. Ottawa police on hand that night offered to arrest Cleghorn and make him spend the night in jail for for his obvious assault on the Senators players, but the referees persuaded the police to let the NHL handle its own discipline. For his offenses, Claghorn received a match penalty, a warning from the league, and a $15 fine. Uh, well, modern fans don't remember Claghorn. His vicious record speaks for itself. Well, there you go, and you can wipe out three guys in one game. Who were your teammates the season before? Yeah, tell me uh, guys didn't play for the logo back in the day. Sprague Claghorn. That's just a tremendous name, too. <clears throat> Number four, Dave Schultz. Schultz revolutionized the role of the enforcer in the 70s, leader of the Bradstreet Bullies. 74-75 set the NHL record 472 penalty minutes in a single season. Key contributor to the two Stanley Cup titles. During his fights, Schultz would fight around and over linesmen who were trying to break up fights, resort to tactics like head-butting and hair-pulling. An example of hair-pulling can be seen in the clip when he fights semifinals in 74 against David Rolf of the, Dale Rolf of the New York Rangers. Yeah, I mean, um, Schultz was, yeah, I mean, they, they were called the Broad Street Bullies for a reason. And yeah, he would hair pull and headbutt and any means necessary in fights. And yeah, he would punch around refs and stuff. Um, does that make him mean? I mean, I guess. Um, I don't know if he was really, I shouldn't say he wasn't hurting anybody. I mean, you are punching them. Yeah, I mean... It seemed like on the, when I watch '70s clips, it kind of seems par for the course. Though I'm like, I don't know if Schultz is doing anything that like O'Reilly and them weren't doing and Winsink and stuff. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I guess when you got the hammer and everything, you just got to include him on the mean list, right? But in terms of like, I don't think he was like elbowing guys or knee on knees or anything like that. And that, like to me, that's a lot more. I'd rather take my chances the fist fight with a guy than getting need. You know, or elbow to the head, or cross checking the lips, or something. You know, I'd rather take my chances in a fight. So, I don't know if I would consider. I guess I'm going, but I guess I'm 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 taking their word meanest and making it dirty. I guess that's not really what it's about. But you know what I'm saying. I would say like all Samuels is far more dirtier than Dave Schultz is. That's what I guess is what I'm getting at. <clears throat> Number three, well, Bobby Clark. There you go, captain and ringleader of the bullies. Literally brawled their way to back-to-back cups. Clark wasn't usually a fighter, but his reputation of antagonizing opponents delivering cheap shots. Letting Schultz, Seleski, and the other Flyers tough guys brawl it out. Famous cheap shot the Summit Series in Soviet when he broke uh, Karlamov's ankle with a stick. 
Karlamov was one of the USSR's best players. Uh, Karlamov played the next game, so he didn't break his ankle. That is, there's a myth versus reality. Uh, that was a vicious slash, but they, I think it's been hyped up over the years. Uh, Clark was a competitor, wanted to win badly, overcame diabetes, became the NHL star and Hall of Famer. He was also a mean player. Uh, former media police coach Red Kelly told Sports Illustrated he didn't consider Clark dirty, just mean. Yeah, and to me there's a difference between mean and dirty, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, was Clark, yeah, he was. He was dirty with a stick and would let other, I could see that because he would, he was dirty. Well, he's not saying he was dirty, he was just mean. Well, to me, if you're going to start stuff with your stick and everything else and then sort of back off and let other people fight, eh, you know. But, uh, yeah, but yeah, that chop with the, with the, against the Russian guy in the Summit series, um, actually that, that series, that Summit series documentary that's out, I watched the first two episodes. I really enjoyed it. I got to finish that. I mean, we all know how it ends, but I'm really enjoying the documentary, the Summit series. It's pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, Bobby Clark. Number two, ah, Gordy Howe. Earned his nickname Mr. Hockey, uh, because he personified everything the game was about, scoring, checking, and dropping the gloves. Uh, Howe had a great memory and always found a way to get even with opponents. Howe was quick to use a stick or his elbows to send a message. Uh, sport, 1964 Sports Illustrated wrote of Howe, despite an even temperament and a real distaste for combat, uh, if there is a part of Howe that is calculated, calculating and savage, he is punishing artists with a stick, slashing, spearing, tripping, high sticking his way to a, to a degree of solitude on the ice. Well, there you go. They had quite the writing in 64. Uh, Howe didn't fight often, but he was very strong and earned a reputation. Some opponents did not want to trifle with him. His 1959 fight with Lou Fontenato of the Rangers, where he left his opponent's face bloody and gave him a very badly broken nose. Nobody doubts Howe's greatness and few doubt his meanness. Um, yeah, I would have Howe on the list for sure. And for all those reasons, yeah, he was dirty with his stick, slash and spearing and his elbows. Um, he was far, like, yeah, what they get at. He was more known for that than he was his fighting. How really didn't fight that much. And again, anytime you talk about how fighting, oh, the Fontenot fight, that's all everybody bangs their hat on. Um, and it was just a broken nose. You know, it was bad broke, bad break, but a million guys have had nose brokens in fighting, but whatever. <clears throat> I've already gone on about the house shit enough about his fighting, but <clears throat> from all accounts, uh, that I've ever read about Gordy Howe and everything else. Yeah, I'd have him on the list because he was super dirty. And, um, yeah, it was just a different time back then. I'm not going to blame him for it. It was just a different time back then. <clears throat> Number one, huh, Eddie Shore. Well, there you go. Uh, Shore was one of the mean, tough hockey players. How mean was Shore? Uh, he asked his teammates not to have marital relations with their wives before games because it would hurt their on-ice performance. Uh, on the ice, Shore was involved in the infamous incident with Ace Bailey of Toronto. Shore hit Bailey from behind and the Stars player nearly died from the injuries, including a broken skull. Survived the hit, but his career was over. Uh, Shore's toughness and temperament were legendary. He tangled with two teammates in practice and nearly had his ear ripped off in the process when a doctor moved uh, reattached the ear. Shore used a mirror to watch the doctor stitch it up. Oh, my knees just got weak to listen to that. When his career was over, Shore bought the AHL Springfield Indians. He was known for a cheap, tyrannical owner. One example of his meanness included the way he treated his goalie. Shore hated the netminders that flopped down on the ice or wandered from their crease. So in practice, he tied a noose around their neck. So if they disobeyed him, they would choke. Uh, Shore personified old-time hockey, according to the movie Slapshot. And he, and he wins the title as the meanest player in NHL history. Um, yeah, well, there you go. Um... Yeah, from all accounts, sure was brutal, and yeah, he almost did kill Ace Bailey. And uh, you know, again, there's a, they're very. I mean, there are some black and white footage of him, but I mean, you know, 
Oh yeah, but the legendary. But again, stick fights and all that shit, and you know, and yeah, he was mean. But like I said, that whole list could be twenties, thirties, and forties guys from uh, Red Horner to Joe Hall and all those guys, and like Blackjack Stewart. Like you read those, you read old NHL stuff from back in the back in the in the nineteen tens and twenties, and it would literally like prison hockey. And guys would just, they would do anything to win and they would break bones and with their sticks. And like, I can't imagine how mean it was. I just can't imagine how vicious it was. And I mean, I've seen hockey in the eighties and nineties and I saw some, and we've all seen brutal shit, right? But could you imagine watching that shit in the twenties and thirties? Like, ugh. you know, cause the equipment sucked, you know, there was really no equipment and no helmets, right? And the sticks were like telephone poles and yeah, and I mean, obviously the rules were probably loose. I'm sure they weren't calling, you know, they weren't calling obstruction hooking back in the day, right? <clears throat> so guys would just whack each other, and it would just be vicious. Like, you go back to, like, Rocket Richard and all those guys, like, you know, and then if they got in the penalty box, they were in, sitting in the same box with, like, a policeman in between them. And, you know, they'd end up fighting in the box with each other. And it was just like, like, you can't even wrap your head around that, like how vicious that was back in the day. But... There you go, folks. The 13 meanest players in NHL history. Yeah, that's a pretty good list. Um, you know, like again, dirty, mean, depending what, how you want to use it. You know, you really, I couldn't really argue with any of the names on there. Um, you know, like with Clark and Messi, yeah, star players, but yeah, super dirty. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Solid list. There you go. Thank you for sending that to me. <clears throat> um, yeah, guys. Well, there we go. There we go. But hour, almost an hour and a half there for some entertainment for the re- for the rest of the week. Um, yeah. Other than that, guys, I guess I will be back. There will be a. There'll be it. Well, because that's the thing. I record on Saturday, and I'll I'll, up, I'll be upload. I'll be uploading at Christmas Eve. We're not doing anything. We're just staying around town. In fact, actually, the in laws, a bunch of them have COVID and stuff. So, I, you know, my brother's working. So, I think it'll just be the wife and I on like uh, Christmas Eve and. Christmas Day. I don't think we're going to go very far, so uh, we'll just be hanging out here. But regardless, um, Saturday or Friday night or Saturday during the day, I'm going to record, and and then I just upload it, um, and then it just comes out as scheduled. So on Christmas Day, there will be a fourth line voice um, uh, episode. And I was actually just talking to Jay. He was he was Christmas shopping today, and he kind of got into it with an old man. He said, I'll have to talk to him about that. But he was saying, hey, there's an episode idea. I should replay my brawl at the mall incident um, because that actually happened to me a few years ago, uh, Christmas shopping at the mall when I got into it with a George Costanza-like character. Um, so maybe I actually I will... Um, I will do an episode and I will include my brawl at the mall story. I'm sure longtime listeners have heard it before, but, uh, I do have new listeners to the show. So, um, I will play that. My, my Christmas shopping experience from a few years ago. Um, my brawl at the mall story. So I will, uh, if I remember, I'm going to write that down. Actually, as I'm talking here, I'll write that down. But, um, yeah, guys. So there, there will be something, um, on Christmas day. But if, I mean, if you, if you, obviously people are going to be busy, so you'll probably listen, if you do listen, it'll be Boxing Day or whatever, uh, the, the Tuesday back to work or what have you. Um, uh, I hope, so I will get ahead of this. I, I wish everybody listening, uh, happy, 
happy holidays and a Merry Christmas. And uh, I hope uh, people you get to see your family and everybody does. Everybody has a good time and uh, stay safe and have some have some rum and eggnog, have some drinks and open some presents. Hopefully Santa gives you everything you want. And uh, yeah, guys, um, as I always say, I want to um, I, I thank you for li- always uh, all you guys for listening to the show. I know there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hockey podcasts out there. Um, the fact that you chose to listen to mine, I greatly appreciate it. I know I say that, you know, all almost every episode, but I mean it in every episode when I say it. I, and uh, and I want to thank you guys. And I always say with you guys, you guys are my billboard. Um, if if uh, if you enjoyed the show, tell a friend. And uh, hey, you got to listen to this asshole from Saskatchewan when he talks about guys that we used to watch. And uh, he's full of shit most of the time, but now and again he makes some sense. I'd like to think I make some sense now and again. But, uh, yeah, if you guys could spread the word, I would greatly appreciate it. Um, yeah, because that's how, uh, that's how the show grows. So, But anyway, I will get out of here. Thank you very much for tuning in. And, uh, yeah, I guess I will talk to you guys on Christmas Day. Thanks, everybody. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was on?